the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Good evening, and welcome to the Andrea K Show. It is Monday night here in San Diego. I guess it's Monday night everywhere. DJ Carrot Sticks. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. Thank you for saving me on that one. Hey, thank you all for sharing this hour with me. Actually, two hours here. Um, sometimes I forget that I'm now on a two-hour block. I've moved to Mondays here at AM 1170, The Answer, KCBQ. It's always an honor to share any time with all of you out there because you truly are the best friends and family uh, that a girl could have. And I, and I want to thank you all. In fact... I appreciate you all so much that I got a little homework assignment for all y'all out there before we even get started in tonight's show. My media mentor actually made a suggestion for me that I find like a theme song, a signature song to play at the open of the show, even on top of my intro that describes me as dynamite in a dress. And so I want you all to put your thinking caps on. Think about how much I love music. Think about how much I love something upbeat. You know, I love some old school jams. I love 90s old school jams. I love anything with a beat, anything fast moving, because, you know, I'm kind of a fast moving. I like to keep the pace fast kind of gal. So Engineer Todd's going to play some songs tonight throughout the show. He's got one that he's actually... Is kind of a favorite of his so far that he's yes. actually, what would you say, Todd? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I could really, seriously, though, I could use y'all's help with that. Actually, I could. Uh, we got a busy show tonight. If you want to be a part of the show, you can follow me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter at Andrea K Show, and call in. Try to call in. I'm not sure if I'm going to have any time to, to take calls tonight, but the number is 888-344-1170. Lots going on in the world. Actually, seems like there's been a kind of a, a common thread of late. Seems like there's always a common thread. Last week, we talked about the anniversary of September 11th. And I've been saying actually for a few weeks, we've gone from uh, never forget to how can we help you with the Iran nuke deal? We've gone to from never forget to don't you dare question or ask anybody anything and uh, in regards to Islam. And that's kind of seems to be where we're stuck. And it's actually part of a really long game plan. That's a part of an overall strategy of the left that's been in play for many, many years because the, the left has infiltrated. Our government has been infiltrated by Marxists for many years. Marxists is absolutely compatible with Sharia. The two are joining together to take us over from within. So we've got so enter into the picture this past week. We've got a pope, we've got a heckler, and we got a guy named Ahmed. So you're saying to me right now, is that, somebody said on Facebook when I put that out there, is that one of those jokes, you know, a rabbi, a priest, and a duck walk into a bar? No, it's actually not a joke. Unfortunately, it's not a joke what's being played on us. It's absolutely very serious. Two of the three actually appear to be kind of honest brokers, even if I disagree with them, maybe in one aspect or other where they're coming from, in my opinion. One was blatantly dishonest and part of a flat-out ruse, an actual hoax that was being perpetrated as part of the overall game plan to continue to soften the mark of America in order to 
continue to get us to lay down. We're almost all the way over on our backs uh, to the oppressive tyranny of Islam. So they're really, they've almost got us there. I mean, look at where, how far we've gone from Never Forget. We're almost there. And, and they've almost got us on our, on our backs, and, and that, that the final push is oh, yes, coming. All three she are actually being used. The Pope, the heckler, and Ahmed are all being used by the left. Uh, Ahmed directly being used. And we'll talk a little bit uh, more yeah, about how he was directly used and who was behind Monday, that and a little bit on the show. Uh, but all three are being used by Obama and by the left to further their game. You know, Ahmed was supposed to be the sad, you know, innocent looking little genius, little steam maker genius, little innovator who was just targeted for no reason, even though his clock looked like an IED on a roadside of Iraq. The heckler. Now, he was somebody who actually raised some really cogent questions of Trump on the campaign trail. He had, he was right to ask about these Islamist training camps that are going on and what Obama's beliefs are. Obama himself wrote a book that that was printed that everybody knew about before he ran for office in 2008 when he ran for office everybody knew that he quote when the when the wind shift in an ugly direction i will stand with the muslims so why is it nobody can ask or mention or comment on president obama's muslim beliefs and if everything's so cool with islam and being a muslim why is it the worst thing in the world to ask whether or not president obama is a muslim if it if it's so cool to be to be Muslim and there's nothing wrong with it, then he should be proud of it. He should say, you know what, I'm not. I'm a Christian, but hey, you know, no problem asking. Um, but now you can't ask. In fact, now the gotcha question of the 26 president, the 2016 presidential campaign, we had a gotcha question back in 2012 that all had to do with the identity politics, the phony war on women. You know, the gotcha question then, and it's still kind of carrying over because, see, the left can walk and chew gum. They can play this game from a variety of different fronts all at the same time. And the Republican Party is always playing defense, always letting the, the left create and draft the narrative. And the Republicans are always ineptly pushing back. But the gotcha question for 2016 now need, seems to be about Islam and about Muslims. And it, there's variation on the gotcha question, whether it's about the Islamist training camps or or whether the gotcha question was informed to Ben Carson, whether or not we could have a Muslim president. That's the gotcha question. And it's meant to trap Republicans into either having to defend the Muslim faith and do a McCain or criticize the Muslim faith in some way in which they're going to be painted as racist. So I actually like Trump's response I don't think he went far enough. He said, look, it's not my it's not my role to defend President Obama in any aspect. And then he went on to say, actually, really like this part. He said, look, Obama ain't defending me anywhere. Anytime any criticism of Trump or anybody, does he defend? Absolutely not. He doesn't. I also liked what Cruz's response was. Cruz said the president's faith is between him and God. I'm not going to speculate on the president's faith. What I will talk about is his policies. He said, and his policies have been profoundly damaging to this country. Cruz went on to say that his policies in this administration's animosity to religious liberty and, in fact, antagonism to Christians has been one of the most troubling aspects of the Obama administration. I don't think he went far enough, but at least he went there. The bravest, you know, after we had the last presidential debate, you know, Craig Sewing and I were talking on his show. He said, you know, I was all behind Carson, but he looked like he didn't have a pulse. He is so deceiving, Carson is, in terms of his strength. I love his style. His style is not bombastic, but let me tell you, that man is fierce and he is fearless. He was questioned by, um, what's his face, Chuck Todd. You know, he was questioned by Chuck Todd about whether or not we could have 
the gotcha question to him was whether or not we could have uh, a Muslim president. And he said, no. He said, I can't see ever supporting a Muslim as president. He said, and the reason is because he said the Islamic faith isn't consistent with the U.S. Constitution and a Muslim shouldn't be president. He said, I wouldn't advocate putting a, a Muslim in charge. Um, he went on to say that the religious beliefs of a president would matter if his or her faith was inconsistent with U.S. values. Um, where I disagree with Carson uh, was when he, he went on to say the Congress is a different matter. He says with Congress, it depends on who that Muslim is and what their policies are. I disagree because, you know, that's Congress. They're legislators. We have three co-equal branches. Congress is co-equal to the president of the United States. They have tremendous power. And if you say that a Muslim and their beliefs and their religion is inconsistent with the U.S. Constitution, then that should hold the same for Congress. We've got this Keith Ellison, who's a, who is all about uh, care and the Muslim Brotherhood, who refused to put his hand on a Bible to be sworn in, insisted on having it sworn in on Koran. His associations are well known with the radical Islamist movement. And I think that the, what we need to do is and also I like that, that Carson went on to clarify his statements and saying, look, even when it comes to Congress, Anybody who says that they're Muslim and wants to run for for any office needs to be specific about renouncing the core tenets of Islam, and that is Sharia. And what happens under Sharia? Homosexuals are put to death. Women are subjugated. Uh, there's, they're not only subjugated into second class citizens, but they believe in child brides as early as the age of early as the age of nine. What they do to women, what they do to homosexuals, it is a totalitarian system of terror. And what the U.S. government needs to do, and what the Republican Party needs to start doing, is stop allowing them to bully us into submission under the guise of religious liberty, because this is not a religion. It, it, they are. It, that's part of the hoax. The hoax is that they claim that it's a religion so that they can use our rights and our liberties against us when what it is is a political ideology of terror. It is one in line with Marxism. And by making us submissive, by playing this game on us, beating us over the head with a political correct stick, just like they did with the war on women, it's identity politics. If you say you want to enforce immigration laws, you hate brown people. If you say that you're, you're pro-life and you don't think that, that we should pay for women's contraceptives, you hate women. If you say that you have a concern with Islam, you're a racist and you're Islamophobic. What do all these have in common with the pro-life issue, with pro-abortion people on the left? We have infanticide. What we have with open borders and rampant refusal to enforce immigration laws is we have rampant crime against American citizens, including rape against children, as well as murders. We have with what's a little bit different and even worse with this push right now for political correctness with Islam is it? it is terrorism. It is of a, a, even far worse than anything that we've seen, even with the abortion industry. What do they all? And, and that's in line with Marxism. There have been more people murdered and in on mass around the world with Marxism because the left and the Marxists, they don't care about life. All they care about is power. And that's what it's all about by getting us to be silenced. On radical Islam, they soften us up for takeover, and that's and then we're subject to be radicalized. Who's now? Who now is going to argue against the refugees? When we come back, we're going to pick this up on the other side. We're going to talk a little bit more about Ahmed, the little bomb maker. We're going to talk about the refugee situation. We're going to talk about the Pope's visit. We haven't really talked about him. Remember, I said it was the Pope, the heckler, and Ahmed. We got more on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170 KCBQ.
Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, Levita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LevitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Hey, guess what, DJ Todd? What's up? So, somebody had already suggested that song on Facebook and got three likes on it even before you played it. So, so far in the Pick a Theme song for Andrea K Show, we've got You Dropped a Bomb on Me in the lead. Now, somebody suggested here a song I'd never heard of. Enter the Sandman by Metallica. Have you heard of that song, Todd? Yeah, that's a really good song. Yeah? You we'll play, play that uh, going out of this uh, segment. Okay. Um, not, ooh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm intrigued now to hear that. You know, I, I, I've been known to like a little hard rock in my day. Okay. So we'll see if I like that. And typically I like a little, something that gets me moving in my chair. You seem like a rocker. Yeah. You know what? I used to sneak into my brother's room and play his rock albums and try to make sure I set the player back exactly where he left it. So he wouldn't bust me, but he always did. I always got in trouble with that. He was a huge rock fan. I mean, he, my older brother, he was into like l- hardcore stuff like Led Zeppelin and Really bad stuff too, like Jethro Tull. I mean, good grief! Who could listen to Jethro Tull? I didn't. I didn't play that record when I snuck in. All right, I tell you what makes me angry. Speaking of sneaking in, okay, we got a kid who supposedly was just some little innocent kid who 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 was an inventor at home who supposedly was doing nothing wrong when he snuck in a little clock he made at home until the thing started beeping. Come to find out, it was like in a suitcase and it looked just like an IED that would be left on a on a roadside. What we're finding out now, then it become this huge controversy. Of course, he's a hero to the left. He's got, he's been invited to MIT. Did he get a scholarship, Todd? Yeah, he was offered, a, uh, I believe, an internship. Yeah, this is how far we, from never forget to uh, let me pay for your education is where we're at after September 11th. The boy's name is Ahmed Muhammad. He brings a fake bomb into school. And then because the teacher did what she should do, and what we were all supposed to do after September 11th is is keep your eyes open if you see something, report it. So she goes and reports it, and now he's a hero because how dare you suspect a Muslim who's brought into school. We live in a post-9-11, post-Columbine world, and the teacher is the bad guy, and Americans are bad because they question it, a Muslim kid who brings a, a fake-looking bomb into school. Come to find out, it was not actually a dry run, but a hate crime hoax 
by, I guess, involving a man who uh, isn't new to trying to trump up drama in order to continue to soften the mark of America through the identity politics game of Islamophobia. His dad is somebody named El Hassan, who was, I don't know if you remember back where we, you had this Florida church who was going to do this book burning of the Koran and it became this huge thing. And oh my gosh, how horrible that some pastor was going to burn the Koran. Well, that was El Hassan's um, big movement down there. He got the Washington Post involved, evidently, and his his whole plan was to take on Reverend Terry Jones and, and to try to have some peaceful dialogue with Christians. See, it's always under the phony guise of peace. Islam is not a religion of peace. Also in 2011, El Hassan debated Robert Spencer on does Islam respect human rights? Um, I got this article by way, found this out by way of Politichicks. I'm sure you know who those three fabulous ladies are. She writes here that clearly he was trying to score against a famous Islamophobe and thus won a name for himself. So this is his cause. He's always, he's going around trumping up a drama to make himself and Muslims look like victims. And it's working because now he's a hero. And now any teacher and others are trained now. See, you know, we were trained to keep a watch on young Muslim men, not keep a clock on them. Okay. And now we're not even going to be allowed to keep watch. Now everybody's going to think twice. You want to be able to bring a bomb into a school. Doc Porbin said this on Facebook the other day. Here's the blueprint for being able to bring a live bomb into school. Haven't have, be a Muslim, have a Muslim name and walk in with it. And nobody's going to say a word. That's really where we're at. You know what Canada did? I got to thank Peggy Costian for sending this to me. We got to get some smarts going on in this government. Okay. Here's what Canada did. While we're negotiating with Iran in order to hand them and give them a nuke, Canada has decided to declare Iran a state sponsor of terrorism. They've closed their embassy and they're bringing their diplomats back. See, that's somebody who's smart. That's somebody who's saying, you know what, we got we we know what the deal is with these people. And, you know, we're not going to participate. We're not going to cozy up to these people. If you're just tuning in, by the way, you're listening to the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. And Peggy sent me a great article that was... Uh, out of Canada. Now, see, you know what? We talk about our friends of the North, about how, you know, they're not, they're not as rough and tumble as we, you know, Americans are. You know what? I actually think they, they're, they're a little bit smarter, a little bit tougher. They're not playing this political correct game. At least the mayor of Quebec isn't. I guess some Muslims there were trying to get um, the schools to remove pork from their menu. And you may think, oh, big deal. He stood up for pork. No, we can't even stand up right now. Don't tell me it's not a big deal that the mayor of Quebec didn't stand up on behalf of pork because we couldn't even stand up in this country against a Muslim who brought in a fake bomb into school. Okay. If we can't stand up for that, we can't even stand up for some pork. Here's what the mayor said, because this really applies to everything. He says that um, Muslims must understand that they have to adapt to Canada and Quebec, its customs, its traditions, its way of life, because that's where they chose to immigrate. They must understand that they have to integrate and learn to live in Quebec. They must understand that it is for them to change their lifestyle and not the Canadians who so generously welcome them. They must understand that Canadians are neither racist nor xenophobic. They accepted many immigrants before Muslims, whereas the reverse is not true, and that Muslim states do not accept non-Muslim immigrants. And there are uh, that no more um, 
than other nations, Canadians are not willing to give up their identity and their culture. And if Canada is the land of welcome, it is not the mayor of Dorval who welcomes foreigners, but the Canadian Quebecois people, I guess, as a whole. Furthermore, they must understand that in Canada, Quebec, with its Judeo-Christian roots, Christmas trees, churches, and religious festivals, religion must remain in the private domain, must remain in the public domain here as well. Uh, he goes on to say, for Muslims who disagree with secularism and do not feel comfortable in Canada, there are 57 Muslim countries in the world, many of them underpopulated. Um, he says, ask yourself this question just once. Why is it better here in Canada than where you came from? A canteen with pork is part of the answer. We need to be saying this to everybody, but especially Islam. Because one of the things that's different between Muslim immigrants coming here and the Mexican immigrants coming here, they are really coming here for our benefits, for our economic system, for our rights and liberties. But they're not really coming here to take us over and try to force us to live under a totalitarian system of terror like Islam is. You cannot coexist with Islam. They will not assimilate at all. And we need to nip this in the bud right now. That's what we should be doing. Instead, what we're doing is, and there's an article at westernfreepress.com that talks about really what we're doing. What we're doing and what we have done in this country is we have allowed, instead of telling them, the ones who are already here, and, and as well as in addition to not welcoming in more, what we're doing is we're allowing... Um, are radical Islamist groups like CARE and the Muslim Brotherhood to dictate to us what our anti-terror strategy should be. And you don't have to take my word for it. It is well documented in this article, westernfreepress.com, uh, 9-20-2015, Losing the War on Islamic Terrorism. This article details what the global Islam, Islamic State plan is. The memo is this memo is from uh, the Muslim Brotherhood in North America. And these are people that were seated on the front row when President Obama gave his campaign speech in Cairo in 2008. They have been welcomed to the White House. They say the process of settlement is a civilization jihadist process with uh, all the word means. the Muslim Brotherhood must understand that their work in America is a kind of grand jihad in eliminating and destroying the Western civilization from within and sabotaging its miserable house by their hands and the hands of the believers so that it is eliminated and God's religion is made victorious over all other religions. It is a Muslim's destiny to perform jihad and work wherever he is and wherever he lands until the final hour comes. In addition to this, that was the basis of them going to the U.S. government, going to John Brennan, going to the Obama administration and making demands about us and the way that we go about investigating threats against this country. It's why we can't go into a mosque and investigate what's going on there. It's why our entire uh, threat system was purged of words like radical Islam, of words like the war on terror. It's because we now have our entire, our entire Security system from the DHS, the FBI to the CIA, all now under control and direction of the Muslim Brotherhood and care. And while that's going on, now we've got a move. We've got an opportunity, furthermore, for conquest with the, quote, refugee crisis that's been trumped up coming out of Syria. A crisis that was in part created by Obama with his gun running from Libya, allowing the entire Middle East from Libya and Cairo and in Egypt and all that to, to the rise of radical Islam, running guns over to Syria, inflaming, actually creating ISIS over there. Now we've got supposedly 
all these these Syrian refugees, all these families that we got to take in. I found it funny the other day. I was watching Shepard Smith on TV, and you know he's talking about all these families, these Syrian refugee families. Meanwhile, he didn't realize that the producers were showing pictures of the reality of these refugees. They were all like twenty five year old, you know, militant Muslims. It's like, psst, psst, hey, Shep, you know, tell your producers to show, you know, to you know, go go Google up some some family pics. Because you're being busted right now on Fox. The reality is four out of five refugees are not from Syria and they sure aren't families. What they are is they're coming out of countries like Afghanistan, like, you know, the hardcore, you know, of the worst of the worst in Iraq and in Syria and, and, and all those Middle Eastern countries. That's the, the, the reality of who they are. Another reality is, is that instead of 10,000 Syrian refugees, the White House is now discussing, here's an article from the Daily Caller, the White House is now discussing upwards of, by 2016, 85,000 and by 100,000 refugees by the year 2017. And if that doesn't make your blood boil, because you know they're not coming here to assimilate, you know they're coming here to force their political ideology on us. On top of it, we're not just paying to fly them over here. No, here's what they get in terms of benefits. Now, you remember we reported that over 300,000 U.S. military veterans died waiting for care by the VA. We've got homeless veterans just coming out of every street corner in America. But here's what we're going to do for the radical Muslims coming out of these war-torn areas. Each refugee is offered a placement grant of $1,850 from the Department of State. This includes pre-arrival, reception, initial housing, food, clothing, referral services, and social programs. The eligibility is for up to three months. Then, if they need cash assistance, they can get it through a temporary assistance for needy families. They can get that, it's, it's additional, up to eight months. They can get supplemental Social Security income as an option for up to nine years. Refugees who've been in the United States up to seven years are also offered medical financial assistance through Medicaid. And that's available for up to eight months. Oh, then, then they can also get the S-chip in addition to the Medicaid, and that's up to eight months. They, then they also get, oh, I'm not done, they also get the SNAP, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, which is made, for, uh, made available to them for up to nine years, including job training, placement, and retention for those who settle here in the U.S., and that's available for up to five years. At the, and then it, it, it gets even worse. A family of six, on top of that, you will see that each refugee gets a one-time payment of $1,850. A family of six would receive $11,100. This is the Sarnayev model of a takeover from within, paid for by the taxpayers. This is absolutely outrageous. And part of the reason, that, and this is also becoming big business, because what they're doing is they're, they're hiring contractors to help make this possible, and the contractors get a percentage. So people are actually getting a commissions to get involved in bringing these people over here. This is a takeover from within that is absolutely shocking to me. Of course, I guess we all realized that the refugees, it was going to be expensive to bring them here. But who knew that we were going to have be complete room and board and taking care of them for up to basically up to 10 years per person. 10 years? You can't come here and get work within a year? Even if you buy into the fact that you think that it's some type of humanitarian crisis, you, we're going to take jobs and money and food away from Americans and give it to these people for up to 10 years? How many of us are going to be working? How long? Every year, are we going to be working to pay for these people? 
everybody needs to be on the phone right now with their Congress people and, you know, get and, and start putting some some pressure back on. Um, we're going to take a break because it's about that time to take another break. And when we come back, we're going to keep it rolling on the other side. We're going to talk about the Pope, his visit, what's going on there. We're going to play some more tunes and you guys can help me pick the theme song for the Andrea K Show. Hey, this is the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Want more Andrea Kay? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego-style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. Do you struggle with the day-to-day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today 877-749-3533. Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation. A fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. What song is that, Todd? Um, your Miranda girl, Miranda Lambert, something bad's about to happen. I like Miranda, man. That's one tough chick. She kicked that dude to the curb. What's his name? Who's she married to? That Blake Shelton. Bye-bye, Blake, baby. <laughs> she's my kind of girl. I don't know if that song is the right song for me, but she's my kind of girl. Hey, before the break, we were talking about this refugee situation and how much money these people are going to get to come here and wreak all kinds of havoc. This is That's exactly, I called it the Sarnayev model. You know, we got the Laffer curve. We got all these different economic models we learn about in economics class. You know, we got the Laffer curve. We got the this. We got the the that. You know, we got the this model. This is the Sarnayev model, okay? Let's, let's bring these poor, pitiful refugees here, supposedly, for humanitarian reasons, 
give them all kinds of money while while the good, hardworking American taxpayers out there busting their hump all day, every day to try to make a make a living to feed their families, criticized for being Baptists or going to church on Sundays so that they can give money to people who come here and hate us, come here and want to do us do us in from within. That's what's going on here. It's absolutely. I, but I said before the break, get get on the phone and call your congressperson. Even as I said it, I'm sure you guys could hear that I really wasn't all in behind that statement because it's like the reason why we've got Trump in the lead right now. We've got non politicians in the lead from Trump and, and Carson and Fiorina is because we don't have any any faith or trust in anybody in D.C. right now. We really think I really think we're going to get call a congressman and get him to do something about it. I mean, come on. You knew I didn't mean that. They're not doing anything to help us out. They don't care. All they care about is their power. The Republican Party, the establishment, quite frankly, right now, isn't any better, really, than the left. They have done nothing. That's why the American people are behind the non-politicians this go-round, because we gave them the power. How many times? I'm like a broken record, Todd, speaking of records. How many times I got to say that since last November, we gave them the majority to rein in the power, the overreach from the government and Obama with his Obamacare and with his executive order, his amnesty. What was it? What? Why did the American people get upset about that? Because they could see what the issue was with the borders. Well, it's the same issue whether we're talking about refugees being flown here. It's still a border issue. It's basically giving our country away to people who are coming here illegally, whether they're coming here under the phony guise of some trumped up humanitarian crisis. We know we know that ISIS is among them. We know that even if they're not ISIS who wants to cut off our heads, we know they don't want to assimilate. It's still terror either way. And speaking of Syria and what's going on in Syria, we've got Putin. You know, remember in the in the debates in 2012 and foreign policy debate, Obama, he's such a people talk about Trump being bombastic and being snarky. You know, Obama was so arrogant, so nasty to Romney in 2012. Romney should have been a little nastier back. Oh, Romney, when Romney said Putin was was a great threat to us. Oh, the 90s called and they want their foreign policy back. Well, what's happening now? We got Putin got boots on the ground over there. Reports came out recently. He was building a military base. Now he's put ground troops there supposedly to fight ISIS. Uh, But we know the reality is, is he wants to prop up Assad. Um, He wants to preserve um, the Russian naval access to Syria. And he wants to challenge uh, the United States. And quite frankly, I don't think that, you know, the United States really cares what Putin's doing. So um, that's what's happening there. Um, Let's see. What else do I want to talk about? What else is the Republican Party doing to let us down? How about the fact that, you know, one of the things I talked about was common between um, the identity politics of the phony war on women and and if you say you want immigration laws enforced, you hate brown people and uh, as as well as this refugee and, and the incursion, the invasion of Islam on us, what so much it has to do with the, the devaluation of life from the infanticide that's going on in the pro-abortion left to what's happening with the border crisis and allowing criminal aliens to continue to come back and come back. And, and they're actually putting them out on the street and they don't care. It's because, you know, it's same thing with, with the Islamic. The reason why the left is bonding and forming an alliance with the Muslims is not because I've said, well, I don't think Obama's a Muslim. He, it, for him to be a Muslim, he'd have to worship somebody besides himself. What he is, is he is a Marxist and they're great partners. And what is, what is the through line with all of these issues going on? It's the devaluation of life. And the Republican Party, it, it, pro-life, 
is something that really can be an issue that crosses both. You look at the Kate Steinley, people on both sides of the aisle were up in arms over that. You look at these Planned Parenthood videos. Many people on the left, including many pro-choice people, said, you know what, this changes. This is a game changer for me. And the Republican Party could take the narrative back from the phony Warren women and own this issue if they did what they needed to do with Planned Parenthood. Because these videos tell the truth about what's happened with the abortion industry, about how it was a false carrot dangled at women, giving them a false sense of control over themselves so that they could then get control over women. Here, here, little girl, want some candy? Here, I'm going to tell you that you should have the right to do this to yourself. And the Republicans aren't going to give you this right. So you'll come and vote with me and then I can enforce get get you under my wing and my wing is all about control because that's what liberalism ultimately is all about control the Republicans have an opportunity here but what did Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell say in regards to the public pressure to defund Planned Parenthood he said it's an exercise in futility the head of the Republican Party says it's an exercise in futility for people to want to defund Planned Parenthood Really? Um, An exercise in futility to uphold the law? We know, and there's a great article if you want to find it, written by Dr. Elizabeth Lee um, Vliet, I guess. She is a doctor. Um, The left proclaims to be the party of science. The reality of the science is, is that these are children. These are not wads of cells. We know from these, she goes on to say in this article, here that we, the enormity of Planned Parenthood's abortion business to the near exclusion of other women's health issues is on display in these videos. These videos also reveal clear instances of violations of many federal and state statutes of allow abortion procedures. It's outrageous that we've got an, a Republican um, that won't even allow a Senate vote on whether or not it's appropriate to continue to fund them. Here's the truth, the facts about Planned Parenthood. More than 94% of Planned Parenthood's business revenue is from abortion services. More than half of the budget comes from taxpayers. Uh, We know that it's a profitable business selling human organs. We know that staff members are heard admitting that clinics only have one product to offer women, and that's abortion. There's no counseling. We know that they're adjusting the abortion procedures to salvage body parts for sale. Here's something I didn't know. See, if the Republican Party continued to drum these facts, they could they could win votes. Right now, everybody's talking about. We're going to talk at the top of the hour about the GOP race and you know who can you know who you know who's in the lead and why and why Walker fell out. But every Republican candidate could win votes from the other side if they could clearly articulate what the left is about, how they devalue life. And in particular, right now, we know that Hillary, they want to paint the Republican Party as being the extremists. The extremists are people who support this, who support the shredding of children, live births of children to have them chopped and sold, to have abortion procedures done, to have women lie to and not told that their baby was going to be sold uh, for parts. In terms of uh, another lie about Planned Parenthood is that it's charity care for low-income women. According to this article, Planned Parenthood does not even offer IUDs, STD, or even HIV uh, testing in Arizona. In terms of low cost, they charge $35 for pregnancy tests and only cost 25 cents. They charge $50 for $2 birth control pills, as much as $1,000 for a $200 IUD. So there's nothing but lies surrounding this, the Planned Parenthood and the abortion business. And that's what it is. It's an abortion business. But it's really meant to gain control over women. The only right a woman has under liberal America is the right to take the life of her child. No other choice is hers. 
no other choice. And that's the reality. And the Republican Party was smart. They would be defunding Planned Parenthood and they'd be talking about the reasons why. And something else Planned Parenthood does is they don't allow ultrasounds to be shown to women. They don't want women to see the truth. But they use those same ultrasounds when they're trying to manipulate the abortion procedure to sell the parts of children. But this isn't the only pro-life issue that's going on um, in America. There's many areas where pro-life, I, I already talked about pro-life issues in terms of bringing refugees here who want to take our lives. There's, there's life issues going on with the illegal immigrants who are coming here and committing crimes from hundreds of thousands of crimes from violent crimes of rape and assault on children to murder. But we've also got uh, pro-life issues to deal with it in regards to um, the government being in control of our health care. You know, liberalism is about control. The Trojan horse of getting control of Reagan talked about this in 64. He said the way to get socialism over on America is through our health care system, socializing medicine. It's not about health care for Americans. It's about control. And there's no greater control that you can have over a human being than the control over their life. And that includes their medical care choices. We have some legislation um, that's here in California that's already been approved by tw- 24 other states, and it's the right to, to try. The left wants to be pro-assisted suicide. Obamacare has these death panels. It's all about uh, you know non-elected bureaucrats making your business, your, your health care, health care, your medical choices for you. Well, what about the people who are terminally ill? What about their right to try to live? The left is, is so much about supporting the taking of life and the devaluing of life. When we come back... We're going to talk about the right to try legislation here in California. We're going to talk to a gentleman, a retired firefighter, and talk to him, Mike DiBartoli, and talk to him about why this issue is so important to him. So don't change your dial, folks, because this is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's Best Local Pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657-333. Kitchen you're listening to the Andrea K show on AM 1170 the answer welcome back to the Andrea K show glad to have you here with me I'm not sure about that song Todd was that picked to be like like one of the possibilities for the Andrea K show because I'm not sure I'm digging on that one baby no I'm just running out of time here oh okay all right you've done you've done a good job so far Hey, um, speaking of good jobs, um, the Goldwater Institute's done a good job of trying to bring some legislation uh, to um, California that's going to be helpful to 
the many terminally ill Americans that are trying to get access to investigative drugs that can help them. And, you know, this is a life issue that's really not getting a a whole lot of press. And I'm pleased to have with me tonight a special guest on the show. His name is Mike. And this right to try, it's called right to try legislation. And and like I said, um, before the break, 24 states have already passed this in a bipartisan fashion. It allows those that are terminally ill, and I think we have more than a million Americans die every year from terminal illnesses, and um, many might be saved if they had access to drugs that have already passed some safety inspections from the FDA but haven't been fully approved. And why wouldn't we give these terminally ill patients an opportunity to at least try instead of, you know, saying to them, I mean, what's the point, really? We're going to ask Mike, instead of me talking about it, let me bring to the show Mike DiPertoli. Welcome to the Andrea K. Show. You there, Mike? Todd, do we have Mike? I'm sorry, Andrew. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Hey, Mike, thanks for calling in. I was just, I don't know if you heard me, but I was i was just starting to explain what the right to try legislation is. It's really, uh, really simple. We've got more than a million Americans who are dying from terminal illness every year. They might possibly be saved um, through drugs that are currently under the process of approval by the FDA. And historically, there is an application process. About a thousand people a year get approved to try these investigative drugs. But that's not nearly enough because the process for application is so lengthy and expensive. And so what this legislation would do, correct me if I'm wrong, but it would allow those who have already exhausted all you know conventional treatments, those who've been advised um um, by their doctors to try investigative medicines, uh, medicines that have been com- completed the basic safety testings and patients that have been tr- approved um, by the pharmaceutical companies that if, if they've met this legislation would would if would allow people who have met that, that criteria to have access to these drugs. Am I correct? That's what I understand. Yes, I was approached. I don't know, probably. A year ago, by by Kurt with the Goldwater Institute, and asked me if I could come up to the state capitol in Sacramento to testify in front of the Senate Subcommittee on Health concerning this issue. Um, I went there, gave him uh, my story, and um, it passed the subcommittee uh, seven to zero and went on to full committee. And I understand um, it's a bipartisan bill waiting for the governor to sign it. And uh, I testified twice up there at the House and the Senate and. Uh, I uh, I know that both houses have passed the bill. It's just waiting for the governor. And uh, you know, like you said, it, it uh, would offer some hope. You know, maybe not a cure, but you know, for people like me, you know, um, it would give us some hope because uh, I've been dealing with this for just over two years, and you know, I have Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, ALS, and um, there's really no medication I can take that that helps me out. The only medications I really take are antidepressant medication to deal with uh, what's going on with my health and also um, some medication to help me sleep, sleep at night to get me, to get me down. Um, so there's really no medication that, that has actually slowed, uh, slowed my ALS down, being a terminal illness. Um, and there's really nothing they can do. I've seen, I see my doctors, which are great neurologists every three months, and they just measure, basically measure my decline. And um, are there are there investigative drugs that might possibly help you if this legislation passed? 
from what I understand, there, there's approximately 20 to 30, and, and unfortunately, um, they have to go through the FDA process. The first step in the FDA is making sure that the drugs are safe and doesn't really give any harm to anybody. The second step is uh, phase two. It, it looks at maybe 20 or 30 people that are, are lucky enough to get in, get in a study, and if it and it helps those people marginally. It's put onto a bigger, a bigger test group. But a lot of people have trouble qualifying for for those uh, for those tests or, or even getting in because there are so many people. In the United States, there's over thirty thousand people with ALS, and uh, five thousand people die every year. Another five thousand people get it. Um, Four hundred fifty thousand people worldwide. This right to try bill would not only help um, people with ALS, but a lot of other people. They have other terminal diseases. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm 53. I've had a pretty good life, and I've got to travel, and I've, I've been pretty economically sound, but there's a lot of families out there with small children that, that we aren't asking for a cure. We're just asking for a chance, for, for a little bit of hope. And if I only have maybe a few years left, I'd like to live them with a little bit of hope rather than knowing that, that this disease is going to take me with no fight at all. Well, it seems like it should be, you know, a no-brainer. You know, if somebody's terminally ill and wants to try whatever's out there, why wouldn't you let them? You know, it's kind of like, you know, a, an aging patient who's 90-something years old, and they tell them and that, that aging that 94-year-old's having trouble sleeping, and they say, well, we don't want to give you a sleeping pill. You might get addicted. Who cares? You're 94 years old. Take a dang True. sleeping pill. You know, if somebody's terminally ill, why would we not be doing everything we can? And and I know that this isn't a, bi- a nonpartisan bill, but for me, I see a movement in this country for a variety of different reasons that the terminally ill, I look at some passages in Obamacare and it seems as though the mindset seems to be that, you know, somebody's terminally ill, you know, let's give them an end of life options. Let's give them a pill to take, you know, so that they can go to sleep instead of doing everything that we can to save a life. And I read a quote that you, you made about um, Governor Jerry Brown, is there something you want to say to him tonight? Because I feel as though time is of the essence. And, and that, that's why I wanted to do this story tonight, because this really touched my heart. Your story did. And, and thinking of other people who are terminally ill, who would just love to the, the care about saving every minute that they have left with their children, with their life, with their grandchildren. And so it really touched my heart. And what I read that you said touched my heart as well. What would you say to, to, to Governor Brown tonight if he were here? Well, I, I want to try to say this the best I can. Um, I don't know if it's the medication or the disease I have that makes me emotional, <laughs> but being a fireman for 28 years, there's a lot of bad things I saw just because of the job. A lot of people have tough jobs, see a lot of bad things, but, you know, it, it didn't really hit me in, in, until I was diagnosed with a terminal disease. And, and I, you know, we're always told in the fire service, you know, before you try and break something, try to open it, you know, just don't give up. And I understand in California, I don't even understand if, if right to die has passed. I know other states, and you know you you can either be for or against this, but wouldn't you think that before before you decide to to give up, wouldn't you want to try first? So I would think that right to try would come before right to die. So right, you certainly got to be for that. So I, I just you know um, you know just ask him you know to look in his heart and think about it. And, there's a lot of people suffering out there. Yes, there are. And I want to thank you for, I don't know if we mentioned it at, at the top of the interview. I think you just did. You are a retired fire, fighter fire 
firefighter and you put your life on the line every day that you went to work to try to save people's lives and all you're asking for is an opportunity to save your own and for other people to have that choice you know before the break we were talking about you know um uh, pro-choice for women that issue well you know there's a lot of choices that are surrounding health care and medical care besides whether or not you should have the right for an abortion and to me there's no more basic right than the choice for medication and all you're asking for is to be able to try to have access to medical care that's all you're asking for and why would we deny that governor brown if you hear this or you please 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 sign this as soon as possible and do not veto this legislation this literally is life and death. Yes, and it would it would give us hope. And the medication that me and my doctors choose to take, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But but you know what? What I'm doing now doesn't help. And if Lou Gehrig knew that 76 years later, after he gave a speech, you know that he's the luckiest man in the world, he, he would be rather upset that ALS. There's no cure, but there's no treatment. There's not even a cause for it. So, so any help that we can get, you know, for, for people with other terminal diseases would, would certainly give us a boost. Well, Mike, I thank you so much for your work as a firefighter and your lending your voice to this very important cause and for calling in my show tonight. And I just thank you so much. And I'll continue to pray for you. And I'm going to continue to push. And hopefully I'll be able to report positive news that he signed this uh, legislation into law soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, dear. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. You know, liberalism is about control. You know, they say that, you know, oh, her her body, her choice. There's so many. That's a bunch of crock because there's so many choices that we don't have under liberalism in terms of I don't have the right to sell my body parts right now. I can't go sell my 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 parts on the open market. And this gentleman, Mike, he doesn't even have the choice under this government. He doesn't even have the choice to take medications that could save his life. So, you know, women need to wake up. And all Americans need to wake up under Obamacare. You know, you know who was right? Sarah Palin was right when she talked about Obamacare and the death panels. Four non-elected officials are going to be able to make all your choices for you. Women, wake up. It's not the liberals that are offering you choices. It's the Republicans. Hey, you got a choice of what to do in the next hour. I hope you're going to choose to come back here to the Andrea K. Show. We got more to talk about. We still haven't talked about the GOP and Walker dropping out. We got the Bellatrix business block coming up at 915. So don't change that dial, folks. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. This is AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, 5'2", and 107 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay. Welcome back to the Andrea Kay Show. It's hour two of the Andrea Kay Show. You know what? We do need a theme song to play under that intro. So far, I'm kind of liking you dropped a bomb on me. We'll see what my gal pal, legal libertarian analyst, Alicia Durr, and calling in from St. Louis has to say about it. Hey, Louie. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Um... I don't know if you heard any of the of the first hour of the show, but I put it out to the listeners, as well as partners of the Andrea K Show. That includes you. I need a theme song, and so I, I yeah, I, I played a few songs, or Todd played a few songs during during the first hour, 
for possibilities, and I'm, I'm hoping to get opinions from everybody. So far, the winner seems to be you dropped a bomb on me by the Gap Band. So uh, you let me know what song choice you, you think that might be good for me, okay? All right. I have to think about that, but hopefully I'll have some ideas by the time I see you next Monday. Yes, very good. Yay! She's going to be here live. Oh, my gosh. I don't even believe it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even going to believe it till I see that face of yours. Don't even tease me. Okay. Hey, I have plane tickets. It's in stone. <laughs> okay. Congratulations. I'm, yes. Oh, that was the man. Trump, for those of you who didn't recognize that voice. Um, we're going to do the Bellatrix business block in a few minutes. Super excited about that one because you know what? People don't think necessarily of San Diego as being like a fashion capital, but we actually are quite into fashion here in San Diego. And San Diego Fashion Week is coming up, and we've got none other than the founder of Fashion Week, San Diego Fashion Week, coming up in the Bellatrix business block. So t- stay tuned for that. But I got to pick my legal libertarian analyst brain on what happened with Scott Walker. I put it out there on Facebook earlier, mm-hmm. Alicia. I was like, why did he not res- resonate? conservative governor who super successful fought off how many recall attempts and the reason why they tried to recall him was because i mean he mowed through that that state and just really took on the unions and i mean some one of the andrea casio listeners posted a a litany of things that he accomplished as governor there a guy rides a harley good looking christian what went wrong alicia you know, uh, I it is a little surprising because I think that Scott Walker was a really strong contender uh, in the early part of the field uh, and was really a good foil for um, Jeb Bush, who seemed to be kind of the party's uh, crowned heir for the for the nomination. I think the problem is not Scott Walker. I think the problem is that the voters are sick of career politicians, and Scott Walker got lumped in with that. Um, the other problem is that he's famous for, you know, standing up to public unions, but that's not really an issue right now. And so he, he wasn't getting any cachet from that. Um, I think that uh, he went into the, the first debate with some fairly strong poll numbers, and I was killed by the first debate. He got some bad questions. Um, you know, they threw that abortion question at him in a way that um, I think I left him vulnerable for attack. And after that, he just fizzled. I'm surprised he dropped out so quickly, though. I am, he too. And and I don't know if that I, I don't know if there was pressure from the Republican Party. I don't believe so. Um, no, I have a theory. You oh, you do? Yeah. What's your theory? <laughs> yes. So, I mean, he had a fair amount of uh, tax money. And it, I think it's pretty obvious that he wasn't going to get the nomination, given the current uh, state of the field and his poll numbers. So he has that money where uh, as long as he's a candidate, he can't direct how any of that money is spent. But once he drops out of the race, now he can coordinate with the PACs and uh, talk with them about how he wants his money spent. And he, that's, you know, the big block of cash used towards influencing the election towards, for a candidate that he does support. So I think that he thought it was going to be a wiser move to, to use all of that PAC money that he had uh, towards um, a deal that's going to advance his career ultimately if he's not going to be president. But then why not stay in longer and amass even more money that you could then throw another candidate's oh, way? Get a little bit more attention. Because donors dried up. <laughs> yeah, the donors dried up. That oh. money. Yeah, well, and that money. Yeah. I don't know how much of it was. Well, well. so then really the donor drying up was the real reason why he went ahead and dropped out now. Because, you know, it is all about the money. And did it dry? You know, and, and you're right about the first debate. 
you know, so much attention was given to Megyn Kelly's treatment of Trump. And I said, oh, no, she went after everybody. It was all about crafting a narrative about the Republican Party Mm -hmm. being anti-woman, the gotcha questions about abortion, the walker. You would rather a woman die. And as despicable as she was and still is, I can't stand her. I will not. I I haven't watched her show since. Um, The Republican Party should have been prepared for the gotcha questions. They really should have. And he should have been prepared since that wasn't just every one of them should have been prepared for those gotcha questions, because that is the narrative. I think they all went to Fox thinking that Fox was going to be conservative and go easier on him and actually not necessarily go easy, but be more fair and balanced. And and he wasn't prepared for the question. I also think that you're right about it being um, a year of non-politicians when you got also when you've got 16 in the running, you know, really the, the 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 squeaky wheel gets the most attention, and so you you've got the shiny new objects like Carson and Fiorina, and you got the right. loudmouth Trump, and he was just really in the middle of the pack, and he just really couldn't get his message out above above the crowd. And some other another aspect of it was Trump went after his record, and I don't think he was expecting that either. And when Trump would go after him in the debates, and that's something that I don't like. I have been saying from day one, one of the things that I like about Cruz is he is refusing to get in the food fight. Even if Trump criticizes him, he will not hit back. And I really like that he's standing his ground. I did not like the fact that Trump went after Walker like he did on Walker's record. And given the, the, the format of the debates where they only had 30 seconds, if at all, to reply, it made it difficult for him. To counter, mm-hmm. they each had right. it, it became, just like this last debate became such a food fight, and they really couldn't even counter each well, other's you know, attacks. And, it's, and it actually just um, helps Trump. The more that everybody attacks Trump, the more time he's getting. That's why he got twice as much speaking time as all the rest of the candidates in the last debate. Because every time somebody attacks him and invokes his name, he had an opportunity to rebut, and so he just got a lot more attention for it. That's a good point. And so the, the Republicans who, you know, who are thinking attacking him is going to help them by getting attention like Jindal attacking him, attacking his. I can't even remember now what Jindal's attacks are based on. All I can remember is that Jindal said he looked like he had a squirrel on his head. I can't. Even- <laughs> Did you watch the undercard debate? I thought Jindal was awful. Honestly, I just he was awful. I thought that uh, Lindsey Graham was good. And it surprised me because I would never have thought. I would never have used those words in a sentence together before. <laughs> well, the only thing that I didn't like, well, Graham still came across as weak to me. I, I, I didn't get to see all the debate because I actually was on America Trends TV with Dr. Gina. But what I heard from Graham was, oh, well, we can't shut down the government over Planned Parenthood. We can't, we can't, we can't. Well, you know what? If you think you can't, then you're right. You can't. And that's one reason why he's was down in the JV squad debate and why he's never going to get... You know, up in, and get the support of people, and why Trump does have the support as well as Fiorina and Carson because they don't talk in in terms of I can't. They talk in terms of I can, and that's what American yeah. Americans want: somebody who's not within the political system, career politician, and somebody who speaks with I can. Even if Trump is saying stuff that constitutionally he can't do, the fact that he's saying he can do it. In fact, um, my friend Zach said tonight, he's like, "Look, I'm behind Trump because." He, he, Trump's the only one that I believe is going to do anything about immigration. It's the number one issue for me. And even if he only gets half done that he says he can get done, that's more than anybody else has done. And if nothing else gets done in eight years, at least if, if the illegal immigration situation is at least partway tackled, that's my guy. And I think that's why Trump is still in the lead. Have you noticed the latest polls? I have. Um, Trump slipped a little bit. Fiorina has uh, has increased more than I expected. I mean, my, my last prediction 
with that Fiorina and Cruz, we're going to continue to battle it out for third place. I'm actually surprised to see Rubio rallying um, and and beating out Cruz in some polls. So um, that, that's interesting. I actually also thought that Rubio did a good job. But I, I would tell you that after the very first debate, I predicted on pay, uh, Facebook that night that, that Walker was going to get killed because of uh, the answer he gave to that abortion question. Yeah. And he just got he just got sidelined. Yeah. So, you know, and, uh, you know, really, there's no excuse for that, because after 2012, the phony war on women, when Todd Akin, the gotcha questions that were going on that, there's no excuse for why, you know, ca- campaigns are sales campaigns. In fact, we used right. to call our sales That's plans at Xerox sales campaigns. That's what they are. It's salesmanship. <laughs> You've got to anticipate the objections and, and have a plan to overcome them before you get them. In fact, your, your job is actually to prevent them in the first place. And that- and that's where Fiorina is really masterful. I mean, I really actually enjoy watching her debate because she knows how to use silence. She knows how to use zoom. She knows how to take an issue and turn it for to be strong for her. And nobody else on that debate stage is quite as good at it as she is, although Cruz is pretty good. Right. I think that, and for me, I look at her and I think that's like every sales meeting I was ever in in corporate America. You know, and what bothers me is uh, so much even of Republicans are getting into this woman thing about her what makes it what i love so much about her is that the way she is isn't about gender so the republicans need to not buy into this well is she smiling enough and is she this enough you know what it ain't she there's nothing about her that has anything at all to do with her gender let's leave it at that you you know we feed into the identity politics game when we get sucked into those kinds of things do i think that she could lighten up absolutely i could but but from a standpoint of just well, every candidate needs to be like every candidate. But I do think that every candidate needs to be likable. And you're not likable when you're only one note, when you're only hard. Huckabee is the king of the balance between the humor and the likability and the seriousness on policy. I don't agree with him, in particular as a governor. I think he, he's socially liberal in, in some ways economically. But I'm talking about being being more likable. And I think that that's an area of of uh, critique that, that crosses gender lines. I just think the Republicans, oh, I, but I tell you who they need to get behind is Carson. I loved his answer. He he answers a gotcha question to me better than anybody. I loved his answer mm-hmm. better than anybody this past week in terms of this. The, the gotcha question for this campaign right now is about Muslims because of the phony hate crime hoax that was perpetrated by the phony kid with his phony clock as well as the heckler at the Trump campaign. And I loved what Carson's response was. He said, no, we can't have a Muslim, and at, at le- you know, no, because the, what they believe in and the tenet of Islam, which is Sharia, is, is incompatible with the Constitution, period. How do you argue with that? It was genius. Now, CARE is wanting to argue with it. They want him pulled from the campaign, but, you know, we want him to drop out, but they ain't, that ain't going to happen. No. No. Um, no as long as he's, he's got really good grassroots, so as long as he continues to fundraise the way he does with grassroots, I think he's going to remain a strong contender. Yeah. For those who aren't familiar with the polls, I'm going to read out what's happening with the polls, and then we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to switch gears and talk, have a little fun talk with the Bellatrix business block with uh, Fashion Week San Diego. But um, Fiorina is up three points. Uh, Carson, is uh, she's at 15%. This is a CNN uh, poll. Carson has dropped to 14%. So he lost five points, but he's still in the running. So no real major damage. Trump is still at 24%. Rubio did jump 3%. And I think it's because he is a master on foreign policy. And I think he would even be higher if he got a little bit off script. He's a little too much of a Mossy Nissan, you know, salesman. 
that Mossy's a local dealership here. A uh, cruise. <laughs> I know. I remember Mossy. <laughs> yeah, I meant for our national listeners. I knew. Right. Uh, cru- cruise and Huckabee. Diego, you know. <laughs> cruise and Huckabee are at six percent. Um, uh, Kasich, you know, Kasich, you know, he deserves to be down at two percent. You know, after I, after. I don't even know why he's still in there. I mean, I, I, other than I think he's angling to deliver a block of votes for Ohio, so he's looking for a cabinet. Position hey, but you know what? Or... He couldn't deliver Ohio to us in 2012, could he? He is this year's That's McCain true. Romney. He the first thing he did when the heckler came out against Trump with the whole thing about uh, Obama and the Muslim extremist training camps and all that, he, he was to come out and do a McCain and and defend Obama. And you know what? It's nobody's place to defend it's not the republicans job to declare what what somebody else's religion is and defend them that's that's not the republicans job and certainly not to prop up uh, anybody so case he deserves to be you know, walker should have stayed in and bumped cases here's some other general poll numbers 44 percent of uh, gop say that trump is the candidate to best handle the economy interestingly fiorina came second but bush came in rubio came in third and bush fourth that's just shocking hmm. to me. Forty-seven percent say Trump is the man on immigration. No surprise there. Um, here's a surprise: he edged out Rubio on foreign policy, twenty-two to seventeen percent. Uh, here's hmm. what I liked: sixty-five percent say they are extremely or very excited to vote, but only fifty-one percent of Dems say the same. Ex- uh, you know, being excited to vote, motivation uh, to vote is key in winning. So, right. Uh, Speaking of winning, we've got a winning block coming up, the Bellatrix Business Block. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Allison Andrews from Fashion Week San Diego. So don't change that dial. We're going to have some fun. We're going to talk some fashion right here on the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170 The Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, Levita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657-333. Miramar Kitchen Stuff about tonight's show on convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food, roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Is that Freebird? All right. Hey, who knows a little bit of her rock and roll? Okay. Um, 
We're trying to get Miss Allison Andrews on the line here to talk fashion week in San Diego. Because, yeah, we like to look good while we talk our politics here in San Diego. Uh, so, anyway, that's a super fun event that's coming up next week. So, you San Diego peeps, especially you ladies out there. But even you guys, I know a lot of guys into fashion. Uh, you're going to want to stay tuned for this segment. Hopefully, we're going to get her on the line. Do flip-flops and tank tops count? Uh, <laughs> only when you're down at the Wave House. <laughs> Down in, in Mission B. Have you been there? Yeah, I have. I've never tried it, though. Have you ever tried that artificial wave? No, but I got to tell you, Dan Plant. Do you know who Dan Plant is? Mr. Morning Anchor for yeah. KC, KUSI for many years. He's still on. Hopefully, he's not going to hear that. I mocked him pursed to his face on this, okay? But one morning, he was going to show them how show everybody, the audience, the viewers, how to do it. So he gets out there, and he is a, a well-known major surfer. Yeah. Okay, lived at Wind and Sea Beach for many years. Great, surfed every day. He gets out there, smack, does a face plant, like, immediately. Like, it's way harder, I guess, and like, really surfing. So then they're like, we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to go back to Dan at Wave House. So they come back from a commercial, and you see him going out there, and you see them trying to hide the fact that he's holding on to a pole. <laughs> While he's on his board. They had to prop him up, poor guy, on a pole. Dan, I love you anyway. Sorry. Forgive me for that. Um Speaking of funny, last night was the Emmys. This is the bottom of the hour. This is when I would bring Della B on to do the Della B, you know, the, the Hollywood buzz report. Nothing to report out of Hollywood, okay? At least nothing entertaining or nothing funny. I mean, I literally, Della's actually traveling right now. I literally tried to find something funny that I could report about the Emmys. A funny joke, a funny comment. There was absolutely nothing funny I could find, okay? Including the monologue. And by the way, who is Andy Sandberg? Do you know who that is, Todd? Yeah, he's, I think, from Saturday Night Live. Oh, okay. Well, I haven't watched Saturday Night Live since, you know, um, Eddie Murphy was, <laughs> was on there. Not really. But, I mean, literally, did you watch the Emmys? No, I didn't. There was absolutely nothing. I've had, I've had more laughs in the dentist chair. Okay, literally. I tried to find something funny. What I did find was um, more liberal crap. Okay? Um, I don't know if you heard... Uh, about the, do you even know who Viola Davis is? No. Well, she was an actress who was in a great movie called The Help, and I guess she's also on a TV show called How to Get Away with Murders. Um, I haven't seen the TV show, but I guess she won an Emmy for it, and of course she couldn't just get up there and like accept the Emmy. No, she had to go on and on and make it be about you know the evil Hollywood doesn't do anything for minorities and shame on them. Well, her, well in her speech, her famous line was the only difference between women of uh, of color and white women is opportunity. Right. And oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the mindset that there's no such thing as that's the typical liberal mindset that it's the phony. Liberalism is the is the unequal treatment of people under the false quest for equality. There is no such thing as equality. We're not equal, Todd. You and I are not no two people. Are, are the same. There's no such thing as equal talent, equal ambition, equal work ethic. No two people are identical. No two people are equal. And, and you cannot create. And, and that's why it's a ruse to try to set up a situation to where you have equal outcomes. So what are, what's, what's Hollywood supposed to do? Are they supposed to just give roles out and say, okay, we've got 50 okay producers and, and, and movie studios. Tell me all the roles that you've got coming this year, and we're going to divide it up, and you must give X number of roles to black people, and you must give X number of roles to white people. You know, that, it's, it's, it's control. It's Marxism. And so then, meanwhile, what happened was <clears throat> another actress from, let's see, uh, 
Nancy Lee Gron, I guess, from General Hospital, well, she had the gall to start tweeting out. She says, I wish I loved Viola Davis's speech, but I thought she should have let Shonda Rhimes write it. I think she's the bee's knees, um, uh, but she's elite on TV, uh, TV performers. Brilliant as she is, she has never been discriminated against. Well, woo. You would think she had called her the N-word, this actress, because let me tell you, she proceeded to be on the receiving end. This uh, white actress from General Hospital proceeded to be on the receiving end of more hate than you would ever see at a KKK rally. Because you you have the freedom of choice as a woman in liberal America to take the life of your child right up into the birth canal. But that's the only freedom you have. In liberalism, you certainly don't have the freedom of thought or the freedom of speech to express a thought. You better you better go along with a liberal mantra. And it doesn't matter that this woman had um, launched. I don't know how many breakfasts and done all this work for liberal causes over the years, including Al Gore's campaign. No, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. You are never allowed to say anything that goes against the liberal mindset. Liberalism is about control. And you know what? I don't feel sorry for her that she became under such attack and was called every name in the book uh, by the left. Um, I don't feel sorry for her for that because this is what you get. You, you lay down with dogs and you get fleas. And what did she do? Did she stand up for herself and say, you know what? I'm, I'm here on Hokie General Hospital and she's up on a primetime show. Probably didn't even have to audition for it. Probably was given that part because of the color of her skin. And I stand by what I said. No. She ends up backing down. I apologize to who I offended. Oh, I've been schooled. I was wrong. Please accept my apology. Still didn't work. They still came after her. They beat her down because let me tell you that's where you are you are down under liberalism especially women wake up women the real war on women is against women who dare to have a difference of opinion with liberalism so she ends up saying 30 years as an advocate for human rights and now i'm a racist color me heartbroken well you know what lady maybe you should color yourself conservative because come to our side nancy because this is where we allow you actually to have a free thought it's called conservatism okay so now you've been schooled nancy now she's been schooled. Well, it was like when Obama first got elected. If he said anything negative against him, you're automatically labeled a racist. Exactly. You, you know, you better toe the line of liberalism or they are going to. That's where the intolerance is. The hate is. She is now seeing firsthand what liberalism is really about. It's about control. It's about intolerance in the name of tolerance. So, Miss Nancy, speaking of that, speaking of um Victim black lives, sad victim black actors' lives not mattering to me. But speaking of the black lives, racist, you know, because they they can walk and chew gum. See, while they're while they're you know doing this whole illegal alien thing from the southern border on us, while they're working their refugee angle on us, they're still working the Black Lives Matter. So speaking of tweets, I got this compliments of David Appleyard, the Ken Jennings of Facebook. He uh, posted a tweet from Obama. The incarceration rate for black women is twice as high as the rate for white women. Hashtag POTUS. Hashtag criminal justice reform. I say hashtag stop stealing and breaking the law. Black women. That's what I say. Okay. Because you are committing, according to David Appleyard, you are committing 52% of the murders, 56% of the robberies, 33.9% of the aggravated assault, but you only make up 15% of the population. Okay. 
So I guess, how are we going to, speaking of trying to create equal outcomes, I guess, what's the solution here, Todd? Are we going to have white women arrested for no reason and put in prison just to even up the the tally? Or are they going to let black women who've committed crimes out on the street to even things up? What's the solution here? What are they going to do, Todd? Todd says he don't know. I have no idea. He don't know what they're going to do. Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to pick it up on the other side because we got more stuff to talk about. It's Military Monday on the Andrea K. Show. we got a couple military stories to talk about. I'm hoping we're going to have a chance to talk some fashion with Allison Andrews. We're trying to get her on the line. Um, but if not, we'll post that information on where you can go to Fashion Week because it's going to be in La Jolla. It's going to be on Wall Street between Herschel and uh, Gerard. So that's going to be a fun event. And we got more fun on the other side. Hey, have you heard of the word Maruna? That's a new word for me. I'm going to explain what that word is when we come back. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. Do you struggle with the day to day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today, 877-749-3533. Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation. A fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. I don't know what song that is, but I'm kind of liking that. Is that um, Van Halen? No, Guns N' Roses. GNR. Welcome to the jungle. Oh, you know what? That's probably been used before, though. I'm sure. By a, just just a few times, probably. I mean, did anybody have a better voice than Axl Rose? 
He owned it. He owned it. For he the did. Late 90s there. It was yeah. all Axl Rose. Now he looks really weird. He looks as weird as Mickey Rourke. I don't know. But Sweet Child of Mine, is that like just a classic? I mean, it's not good for an opening song, but that's just like one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, before the break, we were talking about, you know, the politics of Black Lives Matter and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, the whole identity politics game has been played. Like I talked about the war on women, uh, the opening we were talking about Islam. That's what the gotcha question is about. And so much of it's about and it's about a game being played on us. And I learned a new word that has to do with this game and it's called Maruna. And Alicia Dern, you're still with me here. Have you heard of the word Maruna? Maruna? No, I have not. Uh, well, it's a new word I'm learning from tonight. Christine Portnoff. And, uh, and, and I'm going to have to verify this. I'm going to do a little research on this. She says, Maruna was designed to catapult and advance Sharia by using Western means. If one thinks that Sharia, with its harsh code, is problematic enough, how about the elimination of the kinder, gentler laws? She, she poses, Maruna is literally accomplished by permitting behavior normally so skewed or shewed by Sharia that Westerners logically assume that a more moderate version of Islam is there when such prohibitions are prohibitions are suddenly permitted. In other words, Maruna is a game that's being played. We're going to pretend like we're moderate when we're really not, just so that you'll let your guard down and then let us come in and then we're going to get Sharia over on you. And quite frankly, that's really what's happened in, in Europe. I don't know if this is actually a word. It's kind of like Takiya. That's where they're told under the Quran that they can lie. It's really the mindset of any means necessary in order to get a foothold in and to take over. And what we do know is that in Europe, whether or not this is actually a word that they use in, in, in a tactic, it's really the end result. And it doesn't really matter to me, Alicia, like the whole heckler thing, you know, going on with Trump and people. Now the gotcha question is, well, do you really believe Obama's a Muslim? To me, it doesn't matter whether he is or he's not. What matters to me is the end result and where we're going. And we, as Nani Darwish said 10 years ago, we are handing over our country on a platter of political correctness. I know. I don't know if you, I don't think you watched South Park, but they actually did a political correctness episode this last, this last episode. And it was hilarious because it was, you know, making fun of how, how uh, anybody who uses uh, anything that's considered privilege or whatever is, is now being attacked. Um, and the whole theme of the episode was, you know, how one of the characters said, I don't think that uh, Caitlyn Jenner is a hero and that person is being persecuted by the political correct people. Well, I actually was thinking that about an episode on Murphy Brown many years ago, back in the 90s, I think she did, where she uh, it was all about uh, political correctness. And she had these different groups on her show. You know, her show was about being a broadcaster and a journalist. And she had they kept it easy because they had um, had one of the groups on was a bunch of bald guys. And then they had another she had another group on that was women and their um, their mm-hmm. acronym was whores h-o-a-r-s's and you know and it was all about nobody could say anything about anybody without being you know uh, labeled as a hater in some way and um, it, it's all about silencing people and i am disturbed alicia that we are not even allowed that some kid named ahmed muhammad can bring a homemade what obviously looked like a bomb into school, and we're being told shame on us as a society if we question it. Talk about, I mean, well, that's ridiculous. I, mean, I, I think it's, I do think it was a little ridiculous that he was arrested by the police. Uh, well, he was arrested because he was refusing to answer questions. And yeah, it was we all. Right refuse, we all have a right to refuse to answer questions. 
under the Fourth Amendment. So, I mean, I, I think that that's an example of where things have gone too sure far in being afraid. You know, so the problem with uh, there's there's both okay. political correctness and then there's a backlash against no, it. Okay. And there's also fear that people have. Um, and a rightfully healthier that Islam is going to breed um, people who who want to kill us and do us harm, you know. So, I mean, all of these things, I think any particular situation can be dependent on its facts. And so in that particular situation, I thought that they overreacted. But I think that in general, there is way too much political correctness. The country's lost its sense of humor. Uh, it's lost. Um, it's identity uh, because we're so busy worrying about whether we're going to offend somebody else and all the stuff about micro microaggression. It's just total BS, you know. Right. Because well, at some point we're going to not be allowed to say anything. Right. Well, I don't think we. I don't think they did overreact because we live in a post nine eleven, post Columbine world, and stupidity doesn't get a pass. How dare he? particularly with the name of Ahmed Muhammad, how dare he build a device like that? And now we find out who his dad is and we find out that it was a hate crime hoax. It was all meant to do exactly what it did, draw attention to him and make anybody who questions Muslims who bring up a device like that to school uh, labeled as Islamophobic. And now it was meant to uh, to soften the mark and intentionally meant to, so that people now, teachers are now going to think twice before they mention anything. That's the end result. It was meant to bully well, people into submission they, they and silence felt- them. They fell right into the trap by not having common sense. You know, I think we can have a little bit of common sense, and then we don't fall into traps where people try to set us up to make us look stupid based on our beliefs. And, I, you know, it's, you see that not just with uh, people with, you know, doing Islamic, Islamophobe-type traps. I mean, you see that in everything. I mean, it's, uh, it's there with, um, you know, the... the the cake bakers where the gay couples are going and asking for the cake, you know, I mean, it can, it's easy to refuse business without saying why. I mean, not that I'm encouraging people to, to break laws, but, you know, you don't have to be baited and, and invite trouble for yourself by not having common sense either. Well, I think so the bad guy here was the, I think the bad guy here was a kid who didn't tell anybody right. if he supposedly was on the up and up and genuinely was some little steam maker kid inventor at home and wasn't doing anything untoward. He wouldn't have been bringing you know, who makes a clock that's the size of a briefcase that just magically happens to look like an IED doesn't tell anybody and the thing starts beeping in the middle of class when he doesn't tell anybody and, and people are supposed to not you know, pull him out of class and start questioning him, you know, now, you know, I, I, I don't think they overreacted at all. And I don't think the teacher should be the bad guy there, but um, listen, it sounds like we got Allison actually on oh, the great. line. Yay. Hey, I'm Allison. Andrew. <laughs> hey, Allison. Hey, welcome to the Andrew K show. Hi, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So tell us all about, I already, I already teed it up. That Fashion awesome. Week San Diego is 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 coming here starting October first, and I tell know. yeah tell everybody about it. Awesome, yeah, thank you. I can't believe we're like seven days away right now. It's crazy, but um, yeah, we are traditional Fashion Week, which is pretty neat. We're one of the largest in California, and um, it definitely started as a passion project that's now grown into this um, huge, huge event. Um, that's definitely surpassed me, the, the founder. Now I'm just holding on for dear life and, and riding the wave with everybody else. <laughs> well, tell everybody what they can expect with Fashion Week. Sure. Great. So, yeah, because we are a traditional Fashion Week, what that means is you'll be seeing never-seen-before collections 
by 24 of our designers this year that we chose. And these collections range from contemporary to even plus size to contour, um, to even some children's wear on the runway. And these uh, designers are launching these never-seen-before collections again to not only the general public but to buyers and to industry in hopes that it will uh, spearhead their career not only for marketing and promotional aspects but also as a pretty fast uh, immediate cash injection uh, because people can actually shop and make orders on what they've just seen come down the runway. So it's kind of a, a double uh, pronged effect for for our audience and for our designers, where not only are you seeing the newest and greatest in fashion, but you also uh, get to pur- purchase it as well. So, uh, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about how Fashion Week got started down in uh, San Diego, given that, you know, we're not really considered the first place that you would think about when it comes to fashion. You must have in jeans and flip-flops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. I love my flip-flops. Let me tell you, even though I, I'm, you know, I'm in the fashion industry, I, I, I wore flip-flops today. <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, it's, it's one of those neat things that, just like any other industry, if you're not in it and you're not reading trade journals on it or you're not, it's not directly having an effect with you on your daily life, you're just not aware of certain things. And, you know, fashion does get eclipsed here when you look at biotech or the military or even, you know, um, pharmaceutical country companies that are based here in San Diego. We kind of get eclipsed. But San Diego is one of the most ideal uh, cities for this type of trade show and this type of event because of how we're, we're built uh, for commerce, being a port city, uh, being a border town, uh, being a, a very easily traveled and somewhat transient city with college students and uh, port and deployment uh, brings in cultures and viewpoints and entrepreneurism and creativity from different parts of the globe here to San Diego that normally we wouldn't have access to. And being, you know, an hour south, let's say, of uh, our big our big sister to the, the north, uh, Los Angeles, we can still be there in an hour to get access to anything that we can't find here. But uh, manufacturing, as far as manufacturing costs and, and different uh, huge multi-million dollar manufacturing fashion companies that are based in San Diego, we're home to, to hundreds. People just don't realize it because it doesn't get right. a lot of airtime. I mean, I think as San Diegans, we can all agree that San Diego is better than L.A. But what was surprising yes. to me was, to hear that there was, no, <laughs> was that there was no uh, official fashion show up in, in L.A. But you said you applying yourself to make San Diego kind of the official one for the region. Yeah, it definitely so, uh, helped. Yeah. And, and, and you've actually managed to, to boost some careers. I mean, you've, you've started up a couple or you've had a couple of designers start up here as a result of the Fashion Week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like and who? Great, tremendous success. Uh, well, one of my favorites. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, I love it. I love this question because I, I get to be, be my mama peacock and do my little dance here and brag. But uh, one of my favorite uh, case studies, if you want to call it that, was UA Jewelry Designs. And she literally, amazing story, a woman had a total thriving corporate career here, um, you know, basically like a, a C-level uh, manager and a huge multi-million dollar company, Fortune 500, based here, had an office here. 
And one day woke up and said, I'm tired of doing this. I have the kid. I have the 2.5 kid, the house, you know, the car. Uh, check the box, check the box, check the box. But I'm miserable. And I want to do something for myself. Went to Bali, literally like eat, pray, love. Decided she wanted to design jewelry. Came back, found Fashion Week San Diego. Launched her line. Never before, like literally launched everything from logo to, you know, concept wow. to actual product at Fashion Week San Diego, and then within 30 days of being seen out the runway of Fashion Week San Diego, Fred Siegel, Santa Monica, which we have the buyers in our audience, took a risk and said, look, we'll let you put your stuff on consignment, which usually is not my favorite word. It's like a nasty word in, in the retail right. environment. You're like, consignment, please. You know, thanks for nothing. <laughs> but um, but uh, I said, you have to do it just for bragging rights, just to say you're in that store, you know, whatever. Just do it. You got to check. You have to take this. Just do it. Within less than, I think it was something ridiculous, like 28 days, not even 30 days of being on that sales floor. She sold through her inventory. And then, of course, wow. what they do, they placed a real wholesale order. From there, she literally got coverage. Um, she got a showroom in uh, the East Coast because she wanted to have more European buyers purchasing her items and having more access to Europe. So picked a uh, showroom based in New York, was picked up and put in Vogue magazine, thank you, and didn't pay for it, awesome. And this is all under 18 months, mind you. Then got a partnership with um, United Way doing a commission work uh, for one of their charities and got invited to the Met Gala where she's been able to hobnob with some of the best people within the fashion industry. So, I mean, wow. her and trajectory she is insane. Just from being involved with Fashion Week San Diego. That's pretty cool. I mean... I mean, you couldn't ask for a better case story. And for me, for bragging rights as, a, as an event director, yeah, I mean, that that is just so not the norm. I mean, that is just not the reality of most designers. I mean, it's unfortunately it has statistics kind of like a restaurant industry. You know, ninety almost ninety eight percent are going to fail within three years. It's not. It's not an easy industry by any means. So although it's a huge industry, people I, are doing it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was yeah. just reading here that this industry. Um, Oh shoot! I lost my plane of my. Yeah, it's, it's a multi-billion-dollar industry. Yeah, and yeah, it and it, it employs easy. more people, I think, than any other industry. Um, before we Absolutely. run out of time, tell everybody where where they can get more information and um, when and where the event's taking place. Yes! Oh my gosh, I love it. So, if you want to get more information, you definitely want to check out our website, which is Fashion Week SD, like San Diego, abbreviated dot com. And you can check out our Facebook page, all our social media, wonderful content, designer interviews, behind the scenes, great, great stuff, especially if you want to have that good feeling of the day and get some good messaging from young entrepreneurs. Great stuff out there. And then our events take place this year in La Jolla, which is going to be amazing. We've uh, moved outside of downtown San Diego into La Jolla, and we're literally closing uh, Wall Street between Herschel and Gerard for two nights of the runway shows. And the remaining events and runway shows will be at the La Valencia Hotel in uh, La Jolla. It's going to be gorgeous this year. Wonderful. I can't wait. Are you going to be here, Alicia, for this? I, I am. I'm going to be here. It's, it's uh, uh, beginning of October, right? October, October, October 1st, October 1st October. opening October nights. October 1st the 4th, yeah. Uh, awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much, Allison Andrews, for being on the show tonight. Appreciate it so much. And thank you, Alicia. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. All right, guys. Have a great night. Thanks. Good night. Good night. Good night. Um, that sounds like a great event. I'm going to be there, Todd, with bells on. Uh, you know who's traveling around? Sounds like Alicia's going to be here next week. Can't wait to see her. Guess who's traveling around? On, on, on a tour, it's the Pope.
Oh, yeah. Yes, the Pope. Pope Francis. Uh, he has become kind of a rock star uh, of sorts, um, particularly, I guess, in the Marxist community. Um, but he's become a rock star even before it became apparent uh, really how far left-leaning he is. And I heard about something called the Francis Effect today. Have you heard of this, Todd? No. The Francis Effect basically involves him being a pope of, um, you know, inclusion. Because I guess the Catholic Church was looking years ago, I I heard this on a a religion report today, that the Catholic, and I'm not Catholic, um, so I don't have a whole lot of understanding of, you know, some of the aspects of the church and its traditions um, but I and, and its history, but I guess that years ago um, the the Catholic Church was um, uh, looking to find out how it could be more accessible to people. And I'm thinking, how do you become more accessible without changing who you are and your beliefs a, as a church? And you know, and to me, accessible translates into, hey, be more accessible by modifying your beliefs to accommodate liberals. And if that's what the Catholic Church is all about, it seems as though they found, you know, a willing guy to make that happen because he is um, Mr. You know, far left. To me, the Francis effect is a guy who's traveling around to be a uh, not ahead of a church as much as he is traveling around to try to... Um, do his part to transform the world to me, according to the the left's utopia of Marxism. And the reason why I say that is, according to reports, that he has been in Cuba. Of course, he did not visit any of the dissidents, any of the people who are um, political prisoners for daring to express a political opinion, kind of like that actress up in L.A., And so much so that he actually thanked, are you ready for this, Todd? He actually thanked Fidel Castro for his contributions to world peace in a world saturated with hate and aggression. Is there any more hate and aggression than communism that subjugates people and denies them the most basic human rights? I wonder, did he visit the kids in Cuba that live like a third world country with no shoes and no clothes and no food to eat? Oh, I'm sure that they did like the USSR used to do whenever there would be any dignitaries come there. They, you know, they would trot out their little, you know, handpicked citizens that would talk about how much they loved their dictator and their leader. And it was all a big propaganda show. And there is absolutely nothing compassionate about Marxism and communism. It is about control. And it's just like the women who buy into this notion of liberalism to where uh, they're they're abdicating all of their choices in order to have one. Here, women, we're going to give you this choice of abortion. Meanwhile, you're going to give up every other choice in your life, and we're going to have total and complete control over you. That's what, le- that, that's what progressivism is, because it's based on Marxism. And, you know, to me, I, I know that I, I've got... I, Louisiana is the only state divided by Catholic parish. I love Catholics. Don't get me wrong. But I, and I think that anybody who's Catholic who wants to take a religious, um, you know, um, direction from him, great. But he's not my leader. What is he doing coming over here trying to dictate to Americans and tr- to, to anybody else around the world what their political beliefs should be? That's not his role, okay? But here's where I do sympathize with, with the Pope, is that why is it that Catholics and Christians are the only religion by the U.S. government in the world that are expected and demanded to ignore their biblically-based beliefs? Okay, the Obama administration has has invited a transgender person, a gay pastor and a pro-abortion nun and have forced that on the pope in the meeting. 
They doing that to Muslims when the when the Muslim Brotherhood was brought to the White House, where they forced to meet with a transgender and a gay person because they believe they're throwing homosexuals off rooftops over in the Middle East. That's not happening with the Muslim faith. Yet that's happening with Catholics and with Christians. So is the Pope going to speak up? Now, I agree with the Pope when he says, look, I love everybody regardless of that. I'm with him. I'm with him on that. But where I'm not with him is in this push for Marxism. You know, the Catholic Church is really pushing hard, Todd, for these refugees to be brought here. They, the Catholic Charities and other organizations within the Catholic Church are participating in bringing them here, but yet expecting taxpayers to pay for it. You know what, Catholic Church? If you want to get behind this, in, the importation of refugees and terrorists and other people into this country, then you pay for it out of your own pockets. Don't be picking my pockets, Pope. Okay, don't be reaching into my wallet. On my behalf, we've only got a few minutes left. It is Military Monday, and I promised you a few military reports. Um, first of all, I don't know if you guys have heard this. I am the daughter of two Marines. I grew up being, um, uh, I don't want to say being indoctrinated, but I had particular opinions from two people who went through boot camp, lived in barracks, and lived the life of Marines. And neither of them, neither my dad or my mom, would go along with the Marines seeking to have women have close combat jobs. Now, my belief is, hey, if you as a woman can fulfill all the same standards of any man and you're willing to go there, I don't have necessarily a problem with that. But I do think that there is a problem um, when we have a relaxed standards for women. I think if you keep the standards the same, just by means of the fact that most women, I mean, we all saw G.I. Jane, there ain't too many women that can keep up with a man in the same physical demands. If I, so if you keep the, uh, the demands the same, I think it's going to weed out the women in the first place. Um, but this is all about watering down our military. You know, it used to be the Department of Defense was the was the one agency and department we had left that was kind of immune to political correctness. But now it's not. We've got, you know, um, this like this report here of Marines um, wanting uh, women in close combat. Oh, no, actually, I got it wrong. It's the Navy that wants women in close combat and it's the Marines that are trying to keep the women out. I stand corrected. Thank you, my Marines. Y'all keeping it real. It's the Navy that's dopey. But what what real hardcore demands does the Navy have? I mean, really, what do they do anyway? They ride around in submarines. Okay, so of course y'all want women in close. There's not even any close combat in the Navy. What are they talking about? Anyway, here's the disturbing report out of the military. Is it, According to young Duncan uh, Hunter here in San Diego, he's busting a story open that Sergeant First Class... Charles Martlin is reportedly being forced to leave the army. This is the story of the army by November 1st because he assaulted an Afghan police commander who was serving alongside the U S military because he believed that, that he had raped a child. He intervened and, um, and it ended up triggering a negative report on this uh, army sergeant. I guess the Afghan soldiers who are working with the U S military have a habit of raping young boys. And this, army sergeant decided to step in and stop it well we all know what's being reported about islam and the truth about what goes on in that political ideology the pentagon is saying that there is no policy of discouraging u.s military from reporting these incidents um but i guess there is evidently a policy in terms of stopping it so i guess they're going to report the incidents and then nothing's going to happen i mean this is absolutely outrageous what the conditions we're forcing our military to participate in you know either we're going to stop this political correctness crap with our military or bring them home 
What's the point of having them over there and risking their lives for the for the Berg dolls and for this ideology over there? It's an ideology of terror. I think we need to pull everybody out and, and go Jimmy Doolittle style raid over there and drop a nuke and just wipe them all out. You know, that that's where I'm at with it. Um, lastly, in the last like 30 seconds I have, I got to do a little NFL talk here. You know what? Yeah, we're 0-2. In New Orleans, but I got to tell you, I'm sticking with my team. I have been here before. I'm not ready to go back to the bag. I know lots of people are ready to give up on my Saints, but you know what? I'm still saying G-E-A-U-X, go Saints, go. I'm going to be wearing, next week I'm hoping to have the studio cam live, and I'm going to be wearing my shirt, my Saints shirt that Joe and Susan sent to me, and I'm going to be giving love to my Saints. And I'm also sending some love out tonight to Phillip Rivers here in the Chargers. It was ugly Sunday. It was. I don't know if they ate too much of that Cincinnati chili when they were out in Cincinnati. Something went terribly wrong with them out on the field. But at least we're one and one here in San Diego. And I tell you, speaking of football, we're going to end on a happy note. I got three letters for you. L S U babies. That's right. It's all, we're two and zero, and we marched all over Auburn, and we're going to march all over the SEC. We got a, we're looking at a national championship, maybe. All right. Now I'll be looking for you next Monday night, right here, eight p.m. eight p.m. Pacific time, right here on AM eleven seventy, KCBQ. Love you all. Have a great night. Thanks to everybody. This is the Andrea K Show on AM eleven seventy. Dancer. The Andrea K Show on AM eleven seventy. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.